Well, good morning to everybody. I'm glad to see you all here today, and I'm seeing a lot more people out there than I expected to see. <laughs> that's, a, that's a blessing and a, an indication of the commitment that we have to meet together and, and worship the Lord. And when I chose the sermon topic for today, it was a while back, and I did not know when I had the topic chosen that dealt with coping with tough times, I wasn't quite sure that we'd be coping with something like this today. So we have this storm there, and uh, more about that in a few minutes. But uh, it seems like every day, without a let-up, TV, radio, internet seem to be shouting out messages to us. And there's doom and gloom and all sorts of troubles. And at times, it seems like all the bad stuff is trying to overwhelm us. And if we just take a few minutes to think of some of the things that have been coming at us lately. And for two years now, the war in Ukraine goes on. It seems to be at some kind of a stalemate, but no end in sight. And for three months now, the conflict that broke out in Israel seems to show every sign of evolving into a wider regional war. Almost every day when we catch some news, it looks like there is some other event that's happened in the Red Sea, and uh, so that situation is coming and is there. But uh, I'd like to move from the international situation to a situation where we are down where we live today. Because I'm willing to bet that among the people you know and among the people who are here, there are those among us who are facing some tough times. Now those times could be in a great variety. They could be something having to do with health. They could be relationships with family or friends. They could be financial issues. And there are a whole bunch of things there that could be, and, and I'm certain they are, affecting many of us. And when we think about those things, we ask ourselves a couple of questions. Certain questions come to the surface from time to time. And one of them is, why is this happening to me or us? That's one question. Or why is it happening now? And why is it happening, period? Well, I'd like to give you a, an assurance that this message is not going to stay on the dark side for the time I'm up here. Uh, we start that way, and we'll look at a few of these situations, but... Uh, in case any of you felt like in the last two minutes of heading for the door, please uh, hang on for a while. Or if you're online, uh, don't shut the TV off. <laughs> now, when we think locally about adversity and tough situations, I don't think we have to look very far from where we are. If you just think about the things that have been happening in Watertown, uh, several weeks ago, they had that big water main break, which turned uh, many of the town and city out of water. 
And then they had this big snowstorm last week where many people, even as recently as yesterday or the day before, hadn't been returned to power after the big outage. And from the forecasts I've seen, it looks like they're getting it today. Uh, if you've seen some of the clips on TV about these huge trees that have come over, and I understand in the, in the state, I think it's in the state that the National Grid has in a few days restored or replaced 200 poles. So anyway, we can look at the big picture, and it seems like in our own time, if we look into God's Word, we can learn how across the centuries some real adversity has happened and we've seen God's restoration. And that's what we're looking for today. I just heard from uh, Scott Miller that he saw a forecast that this storm is supposed to end by noon or one o'clock. So there's some restoration. We'll be, we'll be glad for that. Well, I look back to the last summer, and we had an excellent series of messages on the minor prophets. And uh, today I'm going to take another look at one of the uh, Old Testament minor prophets, Joel. And he dealt with some serious concerns. And I'll give you just a brief review of who Joel was and what he was about. He was one of the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. And one of them from Hosea to Malachi. Now, we think about minor prophets and we have to wonder, well, what's minor about them? Was there something that was not quite up to the standard of Ezekiel and Isaiah and, and the other prophets? Uh, no, not at all. They're considered minor prophets because their writings were brief. And brevity is not a bad quality to have. So they're not inferior. And I'm indebted today <clears throat> to a book that I read not long ago entitled Themes from the Minor Prophets, David Allen Hubbard. And I'm giving credit where credit's due. I give him credit for a lot of the points that I would make today. <clears throat> well, it seems like Joel, like other Old Testament prophets, faced some concerns like we in the 21st century are facing today. Now, the minor prophets speak to us with such power and such speed and such relevance to where we are today that we almost have to run to keep up with them. It's amazing when you read uh, some of these very short books and the things that they talked about, how this is right where we are today over all the centuries. And there's a freshness there that we almost need to run to catch up with him. So who, who was he? What did he have to say to us? Well, Joel's dates are a little uncertain. Some commentaries place him between 800 and 400 B.C. It's suggested that he lived in Judah, but possibly he lived in Jerusalem. Well, what exactly did he have to deal with, with adversity and tough times? Well, it was a plague or a calamity of locusts. And there's a plague that uh, it's described as such in the Bible. It was a catastrophic event, and it caused Joel to implore the people to repent. 
Well, we'll read how the prophecy speaks about a coming victory in which the destruction is repaired, God's Spirit is poured out, nations are judged, and Judah is rescued. But before that, I just read a short passage from Joel, and it happens to be uh, opening four verses from chapter one to set the scene. And this is from Joel chapter one, verse four. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Well, that was a pretty complete job of destruction, wasn't it? So how can Joel, who lived so long ago, so many centuries ago, dealing with tough times, how can he help us today with some of the things we're dealing with right now today? Well, I had a thought yesterday to make a call to Ben Stoffer. And I told him that there was a chance, based on a question that I'd ask him, that he might appear in the message that I'd be giving today. And I see he, in spite of that, decided to show up today. <laughs> well, he told me about a serious experience they had on the farm some years ago, not with locusts, but with army worms and potato leaf hoppers. And I'm sure Ben would be happy to give you some information on those things that happened. Uh, not a plague, but a serious issue with, with uh, insects that, that happens not just hundreds and hundreds of years ago, but in our, in our own time. So I thank you, Ben, for that information, and I found it pretty interesting to hear how those uh, critters uh, act and what they do. Well, so how, how do we deal with these things today? Some people look at issues that they're facing, and they kind of try to explain away things that are troublesome or bothersome or a real problem. Well, it's a cha chance accident or some mystery we can't control. And some say, well, that's life. Too bad. And other people try to explain things in natural terms. They say, well, hurricanes are happening because of global warning and, and stuff happens. And they write it off in that way. And then still others like to look at things that happen that are bad, devastating, and they see the work at Satan and his demonic forces at work, like the recent devastating destructive fires in Hawaii, the tragic school shootings, which seem almost to be weekly events. And people will look at everything and see that everything bad is something that comes from Satan. Now, uh, Satan is certainly at work in many of these things, He's the deceiver of the brethren, and yet there are many uh, situations that we can get into without his help, and we can cause a lot of our own problems sometimes. So events that we call natural disasters 
are taught in Scripture as the work of God. But then flood, floods, hurricanes, and earthquakes, insurance companies call the acts of God. And they use that as an off-ramp to get out of paying up when something happens. They blame it all on God. <clears throat> and so that certainly happens. <clears throat> and I think the feeling that I have is that many of our neighbors in Watertown will be going through experiences like this in the coming days and uh, snowstorms like the one we're into right now have subsided. <clears throat> so what else does Scripture teach us? Well, one of the big things that Scripture teaches us is the provision of God, what he has provided us. Now, the crops that were planted in the time of Joel and taken for granted are now denied. The things that were working, all of those things that were positive and you'd expect to happen from today to tomorrow, suddenly they're gone. And uh, in our own time, uh, many people who lived on the uh, coast of Atlantic uh, build seawalls, which would always held, hold back floodwaters, but now they fail. <clears throat> and uh, what the Lord has given us, he can take away. <clears throat> I think that's something we need to remember. <clears throat> we need to appreciate the things that God has given us and realize that we really need to thank him before we lose something. And there are things for which I am very thankful. And I, I thank God daily. And one of the things that I will thank him for is at my advanced age, I get out of bed in the morning, and most mornings nothing hurts. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And I never take that for granted. So we need to thank God every day for what he has provided. And uh, we don't want to just dwell on the bad stuff, but people sometimes think that everything is going to go along tomorrow. You know, things will work out pretty much just as they have today. Well, maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't. So the other thing that I'd like to point out through this is how can we live through tough times because we'll all have them and maybe having them right now learning is one thing and living is something else you can't ignore tough times they'll come in one form or another and when they come we'll learn some important lessons about God's provision and power and good though that is we still have to live through whatever hardship and heartache comes. And how can we do this? Well, you know, I think a lot of how we get through things has to do with our mindset. There are some people who have a, an optimistic, and you know some people are they're just happy, they're optimistic, they're thankful for what happens, and you can see that in them when you interact. You don't have to be with somebody more than a few minutes because before you can tell that they're looking through things through a positive glass. And, and yet there are other people 
who are quite the other way. Uh, I remember as a young faculty member in my first college teaching position in Pennsylvania, there was the secretary of the dean of the music department. And she was a very frightening figure to many people. Uh, this was back in the days when I think Xerox was still coming into play. But if you had materials you wanted to use in your class, and you had, at that time, they called them you ditto. You have to get your materials dittoed. And you had to get these materials to Sylvia at least 24 hours before the class. And woe be unto you if you went in a couple of hours before and said, Sylvia, I need two or three of these copies. And she, she had a rather dim outlook on life, or so it seemed. And I remember she told me one day, and I, I was always very careful to be more than 24 hours ahead, but she told me one time, she said, Mr. Popiel, I just can't be happy unless I'm miserable. <laughs> and I couldn't quite figure that out for a long time, but it dawned on me after a while that I think she had the point. You know, I think there was some satisfaction that she, devired, she uh, came about through just living on the dark side of things and looking at the gloomiest stuff you could look at. So I think a better approach to that <coughs> is that passage in Philippians 4 where it's written, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are commendable, if there is any virtue and if anything is praiseworthy, meditate on those things. And how much better a recipe that is than setting forth every day with your goal of being miserable. And the big point that I would make here is we need to hold on to the hope of restoration. That's a very, very strong point. We need to realize as we look out the windows that storm will be lifting. It may not lift quite as soon as we would like, but, but it'll, it will. And even in the tough times, hope is seen and God encourages us. Now, we hear from God's word, again, in Joel uh, 2, verses 12 and 13. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. And as I move toward uh, wrapping up, I would invite the worship team to come forward. And we will read another verse from Joel that dealt 
with restoration and how things are going to get a lot better for him and for us, I dare say. Uh, <clears throat> Joel 2, 24 and 25, the threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, the great army which I sent among you. And as we look at that, I think uh, one of the key words in that verse is shall be. The threshing floors shall be full. Uh, and I think that's a key word for us in our own time because in America today, uh, a lot of us want things to happen instantly. You know, we, we pray and, and sometimes we want God to answer just immediately. Or there's a situation that we, you know, we just aren't patient. But it's, I think it's a key word here when uh, Joel writes, the thresh, threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine. And I will restore. And I think that hope of restoration is a very critical, very critical part of the equation. So in closing, uh, it's important to look beyond where we may be. If you are going through a tough time or situation, let's not get bogged down in adversity, but let's look ahead to the promise made to Joel the threshing floor, the granary may not be full today, but notice how he says it shall be. So what we see, when you think of it, what started with the plague of locusts ends with a comforting promise that the tough times won't last forever. Yes, tough times will come. They may be here some people. We don't want them, but we need to remember that God is in control. I hope adversity and tough situations stay away from you, but when or should they come, be ready. If we can somehow run fast enough to catch up with Joel's message, God's love and provision will carry us through. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we read these words from a prophet who lived so many years ago, and yet they speak to us today with a freshness that, as we can see, uh, we, need to run, we need to run to catch up with Joel and some of his, his other prophets, some of the minor prophets. So let us be ready. If tough situations come, let's be ready. If we can run fast enough to catch up with Joel, God's love and provision will carry us through. The Lord be with us. Strengthen us. Help us to hang on to these promises and let us look to restoration. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus.